At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, and Happy New Year. This is your host, Rick Spence, and I can't believe we've made it through another year of the Startup Canada podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by a very special year-end guest, Startup Canada's own CEO, Kayla Isabel. I've been hoping to get her on the show for a while to talk entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs, podcasting, and the future of the world. As you may know, Kayla has her own podcast, speaking with incredible women entrepreneurs on the Startup Women podcast. Together, we're going to look back at some of the best and most exciting moments and what you can expect in 2024 from Startup Canada. Kayla, welcome to your show. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Thanks. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, glad we're, I'm glad we're doing this. We're going to do a little bit of a year in review and a little bit looking ahead and, and, and just uh, chatting and interrupting. There's no script. <laughs> we're just going to have some fun. Going for it. Yeah. Um, you and I have spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs this year, not just on podcasts, but at Startup Canada events and all kinds of different stages and places and backgrounds. Um, any thoughts on the trends that you've seen in entrepreneurship in 2023? Yeah, I feel like this is the question now, you know, looking back at all of 2023, reflecting on positive moments, things that maybe sort of went sideways for founders or the ecosystem at large. It's been a very wacky year, is my professional opinion on things. I think... You know, we, we walked into January 2023 with so much uncertainty. You know, everyone's talking recession, inflation obviously was getting, um, you know, increasing. We were seeing the investment community. There were massive shifts in those spaces um, and the impacts of COVID-19 still rearing really aggressively in so many of the small businesses we talked to, founders in general. Like it was shaky ground, it felt like at the beginning of 2023. And mm -hmm. I don't know if now at the end of the year, we're on much more stable ground. It feels like 
you know, we actually got through a lot and there were a lot of incredible positive stories and positive sentiments and wins for founders. Um, but what I'm sensing in the conversations now is still this kind of uneasiness and this um, nervousness even coming into 2024. What are going to be the continued uncertainties that we see? Uh, there's still incredible passion and the businesses that we're seeing are solving pressing global issues. And we've never needed more of that um, energy and that passion than we ever have, I think, globally, you know, with everything that we're seeing and just with all of the other challenges of, of being in this world. <laughs> um, so I'd say I'm, I'm excited about 2024, but I honestly have no idea what to expect. Key trends this year are kind of a little bit all over the place. Um, and one big concerning trend that is probably at the forefront of my mind is seeing the decrease in the number of entrepreneurs that we see coming into this space. Um, BDC and some of our partners have been doing a lot of research on this, publishing various statistics, you know, in Small Business Week that we saw in October. Um, and for example, for every three founders from a thousand, you know, folks that were starting businesses 10, 20 years ago, we're only seeing one founder for every thousand. Uh, folks that are entering into the professional world. Um, so we are seeing a pretty staggering decline. I understand why. Um, but how do we really look at 2024 as a moment to practically equip founders with what they need, understanding all of this turbulence still being at play, still trying to tell incredible stories and elevate the perspectives of these founders and showcase the unbelievable businesses they're creating. Um, but finding our way through this kind of maze a little bit, or I don't even know what's, it's sort of waves, right? It's like these waves of positives and negatives and things sort of lifting up and, and crashing down. But it's been a strange year. I want to ask the same question to you, Rick. Like what's your, what, what did you see this year that was either surprising or, or not surprising? What was the kind of sentiment that you're left with December, 2023? Yeah, I hear I get actually asked a question in the Startup Canada podcast after four Look years. At this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, it's a very general question. It's been it's it's been a crazy year. I agree with so much of what you've said about the the, the difficulties and the uncertainties, and and the uncertainties are not going away. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I'm not familiar with the BDC stat you quoted, but I did see the RBC stat recently that. Uh, said that self-employment in Canada is re has reached like a 40-year low. Uh, self-employment, Canadians who say they are self-employed, uh, peaked at 18% 25 years ago, and now it's 13%. So that's a 30% drop, which is interesting. And, but I mean, as, as you said, there's, there, there's reasons for these things. There's low unemployment, so the people who used to go and and start a business because they couldn't find a job they liked, you know, the, 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 there's jobs for them now, and, and some of them are satisfying and fulfilling. Um, in times of high interest rates and 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 huge mortgages, you need certainty. We need certainty in our lives, and and, and entrepreneurship doesn't always give us that, um, you know. But I look at it and say. The macro trends, the the, the non-financial macro trends, are still uh, appealing for entrepreneurs. There are still market needs as technology increases, as we develop new products and services. Um, there are always new niches developing, and you know, once upon a time, entrepreneurs had to 
buy inventory, buy buy machinery, or rent rent office space, or 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 or, or the shop on Main Street. They had to invest to start something. Uh, you know, the ability to do something in terms of of uh, developing new apps. I'm hearing about new apps all the time. I thought, don't we have enough apps? Apparently not. And uh, and when you hear about these apps, you think, yeah, why didn't I think of that? And, uh, you know, all the possibilities in social media, uh, the, 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 the influencer economy is becoming really significant and is creating a lot of jobs for young people. And more to the point, getting millions of young people thinking about entrepreneurship, building their own brand, building their own uh, lifestyle, building, the, building their own futures. Um, so I remain optimistic as you are that, you know, things will right themselves. Uh, the economy fluctuates. That's what an economy does. Um, but I think entrepreneurship will always appeal and we'll, 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 be, we'll be hearing its siren call more and more. Mm. I hope so. Yeah. And, and I, I feel that in my gut, like when I, when I sort of look and, you know, think of even Startup Canada's programs or the conversations that we might anticipate having on our podcasts, the, po- the, the sentiment is still positive. Like we still have this glass half full entrepreneurship community. Like these people are problem solvers. We know that, you know, they're obviously not entering into this out of ease. <laughs> There's, you know, far more easier paths in this world to take. Um, so we know that the characteristics that have brought entrepreneurs to where they are today are going to continue to carry them into whatever 2024 looks like or beyond. Um, but even in the the podcast episodes on the startup women side of things, the impact on women entrepreneurs as well, trying to see what are the trends in 2023 that are uniquely impacting women founders versus just all of the entrepreneurs within the community, a lot of the sentiments that we heard you know, around funding and financing, the stats have always been worse for the you know, community than uh, the women's entrepreneurship space. But um, it still remains positive, hopeful. We still see a lot of support coming out. Like, you know, look at the government of Canada comparing to other global economies and other governments across the world. We're still investing in founders. We're investing in innovation and whatever that means and and that larger and larger envelope. Um, We see new incubators, accelerators, mentorship programs, different types of funders popping up to support different particular folks in the community. We are still seeing that growth and that movement and energy being put into that. Um, and we heard so much of that on the Startup Women podcast this year. Um, and I'm assuming you heard the same on many of the startup podcast conversations you've had, too. And on the Startup Canada podcast this year, you know, we're really we've really been looking at uh, local founders, non-urban founders. I mean, all kinds of people, but really looking for people who are having real impacts locally and trying to trace the path from making local impact to global impact. And so I was thinking about, you know, what, what were some of the, the podcasts that I did that I incredibly enjoyed this year? Yeah, what resonated them, most with you, Rick? Yeah, so Bernice Clark of Wasso Soaps in Iqaluit, which is in Nunavut, for those who don't know. Um, she's using local plants and natural products to create incredible local soaps and body butters. And she's expanded into shampoos and conditioners and everything. She's selling them locally, but now she's also selling them online. And people are loving the story of native ingredients, of of, of products they've never heard of that, you know, put a shine in your hair or whatever it is that they do. And when you think of the far north, it, it, 
doesn't produce many consumer products business businesses, but but Bernice is proving that remote communities with where people have vision uh, and 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 the gusto to go with it, they have something special to share with the world. And Bernice was also a great example for me of what I believe is is important, which is that entrepreneurship doesn't just create economic growth, but it drives personal growth. And Bernice used to sell Mary Kay cosmetics. I mean, the most, sorry, I mean, I, but the most sort of middle America thing possible. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, 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 and now she, she started and running, she's, she's running her own business and she says it's helped her grow as a, as, 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 as a business person, as a woman, and just mm-hmm. as a human being. Now she's making her own videos on TikTok to a global audience. And she's, in her spare time, she's keeping the inuktitut language alive by teaching adults. So, the, you know, the, the confidence that comes from successful entrepreneurs can, can, can also drive community machinery. Yeah, and so. I, we, we actually met Bernice... Um, through the Startup Women program. So she was um, our uh, one of our representatives for the Startup Women Advocacy Network, SWAN, that we profile heavily across uh, my podcast. Right. Um, but even even finding Bernice, finding these businesses, you know, our team has really tried to, to uncover these various stories. And now seeing her grow, I see her everywhere on, on my LinkedIn, you know, on TikTok, et cetera. Um, and her story is definitely one that, that we were super happy to amplify. And um, I can't wait to see that business continue to scale across Canada and globally. It's an incredible product. We've got a bunch of it at the office, actually. Rick, if you ever want to grab a couple bars, <laughs> we've got some soap at the office. All right. I, that, that, that'd be fabulous. Um, you know, and, and there's so many examples like that. Uh, we talked to Leslie Hampton in Toronto. She's an Anishinaabe artist and fashion designer. She built her own clothing and accessory brand, and it's focused around her values, mental health awareness, body positivity, authentic representation in fashion and film, and the power that business has to support those voices and exemplify the change that the owners want to see it's it, 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 it's incredible. Um, and I remember a chat with Cheyenne Jones in Halifax. She's working with a project uh, called Akuma Holdings, a Black-owned organization creating economic prosperity for Nova Scotians of African descent. And, you know, she's not a normal entrepreneur. She's been involved in various sort of uh, charitable sector works and everything, nonprofits. She describes herself as a person of community, which I thought was a wonderful way of describing herself. She's all about, she says she's all about giving back however I can, when I can. These are not typical all for myself entrepreneurs, right? This is to me what what the true spirit of entrepreneurship is, which is growth and change for everybody rooted in individuals and their values and lifestyles and, you know, reaching out to people who can do that. And we talked to, when we talked to Cheyenne, she had been um, uh, part of transforming uh, an an old building in Dartmouth uh, uh, across the bay from Halifax. Um, It was once known as the Nova Scotia Home for Colored Children, and which was actually a community-driven project 100 years ago that 
had its moments, but also some very grim times there. And they've transformed it into an intergenerational community hub called Kinney Place, and it's a black business incubator. And and it's inspiring to hear about how she manifested this job to combine community and economic development in a new way, you know, rooted in history, rooted in the neighborhood, rooted in what people really need. And, you know, when, when you study business, you don't learn about business's transformative effects, but the, but these entrepreneurs exemplify it. Mm. So, 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 you know, so many good stories that we're, that we're telling. Any other entrepreneurs that uh, you've met or talked to this year that deserve a shout out? Yeah, well, I think on your podcast, Rick, some of the conversations that I enjoyed the most um, were around the pride takeover that we did with the Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce and your co-hosting with, uh, you know, with Paige. And each year, those conversations have these really strong through lines. And, and we profile founders from the community all throughout the year. It's not just during Pride Month, which I think is really important, but being a part of that conversation in a really intentional way um, is something that our podcast producer, Maddie, who we both work with very closely, has done, I think, a really beautiful job of. So, shout out to Maddie. Shout out to Maddie on that uh, and everything that she does. Um, but I would say, um, in particular, the episodes that, that I mean, I loved every single one of them, but with, um, with Ian Burns, also known as Rowena Way, talking about um, drag as entrepreneurship. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Ian at the CGLCC Summit, uh, which is a gathering of lots of ecosystem players and entrepreneurs, et cetera, within the community. Um, and seeing, again, this power of community, the idea of empowerment, um, looking at really bringing like an excitement and an energy during a time when the community was also being attacked and when there was so much um, sadness and grief and and lack of safety. Um, and, and this year, I think those conversations are really important. But seeing Ian's positivity around his contribution as Rowena Way and, and the movement that he's been able to create um, and the publicity that, that he's brought through, you know, being uh, this incredible public figure, being the only drag queen on any bottle uh, of beer or can of beer at the LCBO, and all of the proceeds of that beer going to, uh, you know, youth queer uh, support organizations and folks that, you know, are actually making a difference in the community. So loved hearing that story. Yeah. Um, and that story comes out of Kingston, you know, Kingston, Rock Ontario. Granite City, it. right? Limestone City, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it, it, the... Uh, again, a community, it's rooted in a community coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with, um, and you don't think of Kingston necessarily <laughs> in sort of that, that way of thinking of, um, you know, whatever your perceptions are of different parts of Ontario or Kingston in particular. I feel like I learned a lot about Kingston through, through meeting him and the various folks in that space. Uh, and then of course our episode with um, Faye Johnstone as well, um, that definitely left a mark and, and being connected with her community more and seeing the, the advocacy that is coming from that, that sort of space and, and just the practical nature of the conversation that she had with you and Paige, I found really helpful as well. Like what are the concrete tools for inclusion? Um, what are concrete strategies? What support is available for founders, um, support organizations, everybody in the ecosystem? Um, so I loved rooting that in some really practical um, conversation. But I mean, just amazing work, Rick. All of your episodes are fabulous. Like it's just there's no shortage of unbelievable ideas. And it's like picking your favorite children, like of all of the founders we talked to who, who resonated the most. They're all incredible. Thank thank you so much. It's kind of you to say. Um and and I guess you you know, 
representation is really important and, 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 and amplifying these role models is important. But I also love just trying to find people with really good advice for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. so that, you know, an entrepreneur is not going to listen unless to, to, to a 40 minute podcast, unless they know there's some takeaways okay. for them. And, and, um, one of my favorites actually was a, a, a local Ottawa guy uh, that we talked to, Jared Goldsmith. We uh, love Jared. Of, of Sachs Virtual Defense, the Fedora guy, right? Mm-hmm. I had met him at various events, but I never really understood his business model. So I was excited to, to have that chance to, to, to chat with him and find out about it because his character comes out. He doesn't, you know promote his he's creating a virtual platform for networking events and you know he, he doesn't like talking about that because being a really good networker and a specialist in networking he always talks about you <laughs> he doesn't talk about himself totally. he's so it's great to force him to do that and get some really good ideas on networking I, I i think networking is like an essential tool for entrepreneurs and i think a lack of interest in other people a, a or a shyness can can really hold back an entrepreneur from achieving the success that they should. So to become a little bit more adept at networking, to understand how to start conversations, how to sort of strategically meet people, um, lots of great advice on that for, 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 from Jared in that episode, and and uh, you know um, about just establishing relationships and building trust. Uh, I don't think. Most no one teaches this in school. It's easy not to know how to do any of this. So, so it was great to talk with Jared about that. And he gave me like, I think the best line of the of the year. I think when he said, "Networking isn't just about business. Ask people how can I help you, and then write it down on their business cards so you remember." Mm, oh, that's such a good one. Oh, Rick, that's so. <laughs> that actually is such a special example to me personally as well. Jared, when I joined the Startup Canada community and family, et cetera, Jared was one of the first people who reached out, asked me to go for coffee, and he started our conversation with, you know, tell me about yourself, et cetera. How can I help you? Like it was one of these moments that I was like, I don't even know who you are. You have no idea who I am. I'm learning this whole, you know, entrepreneurial space. And and he and we met for coffee, I remember it vividly, and he gave me a pair of his his ESAC socks. He's got these incredible yellow and black socks. Um, and I think they might say the Fedora guy on them or something, or they just say ESACs. But that's when the business was also doing networking in person. Jared, to me, was the perfect illustration of that COVID pivot of taking an entire in-person business, shifting it online in April 2020. uh, 2020. He moved so fast on that. I was building these online platforms, ensuring people could still connect, um, avoiding the isolation that so many founders are finding themselves in. Like Jared showed up for the community, not only as a founder, but as this vehicle to gather still when we were all, uh, you know, navigating lockdowns and everything back in the day. So I love that you brought up Jared. He's, he's got That's a very special cool. place in heart. It sounds like you and I are, and you know, we haven't had that much time to talk over the years here and there. Word here. Because uh, we're always talking to other people, right? Right. right. <laughs> um, but it sounds like it, it sounds like you and I are in this business, in this community, for the same reasons. Is just mm. being impressed by the. the the diversity of people and the opportunities they see and the benefits they bring to their marketplace, their community, their employees, et cetera. 
And, you know, on top of that is the economic value of what they do. So, yeah, just so much respect for entrepreneurs and the way they they show up every day. <laughs> sing it. Sing it, sing it, sing it. Couldn't agree yeah. more, Rick. And, and just one more um, entrepreneurial favorite that uh, we, we just did last month was a conversation with uh, Shula Bet Levtov, the entrepreneur's therapist. Mm -hmm. And uh, she works with people in organizations at the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship and finance and psychology. And, you know, she reminds me that I shouldn't get carried away by the superficial success of entrepreneurs. Um, Not that their success is superficial, but that you can get dazzled by what they're doing and not necessarily see the human behind it and the stresses that are behind it because she says you know the last few years have been tough on everybody but especially on entrepreneurs yeah and as as she said there's a whole lot of reasons why entrepreneurs don't want you to know how stressed they are Mm -hmm. and so you know it's important to to look and see see the signs and 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 see if there's a way to help to, to point them in a direction. Um, you know, uh, people don't want to talk about the stress they're going through. They want to seem successful. They want to seem unflustered mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, hustle culture, uh, rise and grind. These were some of the, 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 the phrases that she used that entrepreneurs use to sort of mask, uh, the, the hamster wheel going on behind there. And just to remember that, uh, that we should make create safe places for them to say, Hey, I'm tired. Hey, I need some new ideas. Hey, I could use some help Yeah, because asking for help is so important when you need it and, and not getting that help can, can be harmful to the individual, but also to the organization and, and, and its overall success. It's interesting even seeing how the mental health conversation has shifted from 2020 to 2021 to 2022 to 2023. I feel like we were talking so much about it during the pandemic because we were obviously realizing we were in this kind of crisis moment that with our kids or with our families or entrepreneurs or not, everybody was navigating that experience. Um, and so we it was regularly, you know, how are you feeling doing all these check-ins? How are you really doing? You know, actually talking to people um, and trying to hold that space. I would say in my observations of the last, let's say 12 to 16 months, there's actually been a bit of a departure away from that. And we need to talk about mental health more than we ever have because of all of these lingering impacts of the pandemic now coupled with throw in crazy ass inflation, throw in all these other, you know, global wars happening, huge social movements, you know, lack of safety across so many different communities and, and seeing attacks. And, and it's a heavy world that we're living in. And I, I, I personally want to do more of this in, in 2024, especially for founders, that mental health conversations aren't just a moment in time. And we have not 
had the conversation. Like it's not the case that, you know, we covered that in 2022. Now <laughs> like this needs yes. to be built into the fabric of every every person and especially for founders to your point of like creating these safe spaces where people don't have to save face. And yes, you might not be talking about this to every investor, you know, that you're talking to or putting that in your pitch deck that you're going through a really hard time. <laughs> of course, that's not going to be the case, but um, how do we work with a baseline assumption that everybody needs some type of mental health support, just as they do a regular type of health support? If you break your arm or have a cough or you know have any of those symptoms, you get the support that you need without any stigma. Um, how do we embed this in a way that feels genuine, that allows people to come in in their level of comfort as well? Not everyone wants to talk about these things to strangers. Some people prefer talking to somebody anonymous. Everybody has a bit of a different preference. Um, but understanding that in entering into entrepreneurship, you're entering into what could be a very lonely experience. You do, yes, have this huge community to tap into and there's support organizations and all this support out there. Sometimes that can make founders feel even more lonely that they haven't like found the right support entity that's going to help them get out of this funk or it puts more guilt and grief in, in that sort of circumstance when people keep telling you that there's so much support available and you're just not tapping into it, right? Like how do we scaffold founders in every conversation and in every new business that that starts up or every student pursuing entrepreneurship or every person coming in the same way that we would, you know, any other essential service that they would need to access. Um, and having that be a part of our daily conversation with everybody that we love. You know, I've I've had lots of personal experience with losing loved ones to suicide and extreme mental health difficulties across lots of people that I love, uh, myself included. And and that doesn't go away just because, you know, of a particular chapter or season in your life, entrepreneur or not, like this is something that we need to really be talking about consistently um, and giving it a lot of weight because it, it impacts everything, right? You can't pour from a damn empty cup. We know this, like we totally know this. Um, right. I'm looking forward to more conversations around that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I go back a little further than you and I can tell you that when I started out in business in the 80s, you didn't talk about this stuff, but you didn't talk about anything. You know, the fact that you had a, 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 a spouse and kids at home, the, the fact that you were supposed to be doing something with them, you know, you didn't even bring that up. That you know, the, yeah, you, you, you you were practically closeted in, in almost anything other than doing uh, working for the business. So it's changed a lot, but clearly we have a long way to go yet. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, too, like look at another country or another region that's sort of doing this well. I don't know who that might be. Like this is a global, you know, conversation. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a human problem. It's not a Canadian exactly. problem or an American problem, uh, but we'll figure it out. Um, wondering what you can tell us about Startup Canada for 2024. What, what's been working well in 2023 and what uh, spins, new spins do you have for us in the coming year? Yeah, it, um, I mean, on the Startup Women podcast, I feel like a lot of the conversations parallel what we actually saw on the Startup Canada tour through our women's program or even our global programs trying to bring more diverse founders exporting. Um, we did a lot of experimenting this year <laughs> in 2023. It was, it was a little insane um, in particular moments. Adding this full cross-country tour, as you can appreciate, is a major undertaking. And the entire Startup Canada team did an 
absolutely unbelievable job of bringing that to life. Right. Um, Sorry, just to put a bit of context on this, Startup Canada started with a big cross-country tour in 2012. And then I think in 2014 or something, they went out and did it again. So it was really great to see Startup Canada reach out again and, 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 and put this tour on. Yeah. And, and in a, you know, we covered how many, you were on the tour, Rick, it was what, 30, 40 cities the first time that. I think it was 37. Yeah. Still remember Lethbridge. Yep. Lethbridge. (laughs) That's so funny. Lethbridge came up on a call with me yesterday too. And Campbellton, New Brunswick. I mean, they they hit places that that no national tour has ever gone to before. And so finding that balance as well as going to these smaller areas and seeing the entrepreneurial sentiment there, but also getting the critical mass of, you know, lots of folks in a room and convening different partners, et cetera. We're kind of on that journey of seeing how that that comes together. Um, But I think what we saw this year, the biggest problem that we are trying to solve, I think, moving forward is access and understanding concretely what support organizations exist across the Canadian ecosystem. Yes, funding is always going to be something that we talk about and we connect founders to. Yes, you know, formal programs and incubation um, are important. Yes, developing business plans, all those foundational building blocks are essential. But what we're seeing right now is a massive inefficiency in founders not even knowing where to start when it comes to accessing the right incubator or the right mentorship program or a funder. What type of funder should I be going after? What about a bank? What about a financial, you know, another financial institution? credit cards, e-commerce platforms, all these different things, um, there's never been more more options for founders, quite frankly. And that's a beautiful thing in Canada that we have so many different initiatives going, um, but there is definitely a sense of overwhelm. Um, and what I want to focus on moving forward is trying to make that access easier, that you're going to come to a Startup Canada tour event and you're going to connect with all of those different folks, have an actual human being on the side of that conversation who can help you navigate through, and that you leave with a really meaningful exchange, new folks you're going to be reaching out to for follow-ups, great networks of entrepreneurs that you've met, a bit of inspiration from hearing from other founders, practical tools, you know, concrete takeaways to the point of how we're trying to anchor a lot of these podcast episodes as well. Um, And how do we do that? both showcasing the regional diversities of Canada that I'm super excited about. You know, we're going to be going to Manitoba next year in Salad of Alberta. What does that look like? What are some of the challenges? But more importantly, what are the resources that exist in that ecosystem that most founders don't even know exist? Like it's an efficiency problem. It's not necessarily that there aren't programs available. Um, So next year we are going to be going to Langley, BC. So trying to engage outside of the Vancouver core. We're going to be going to Winnipeg, Manitoba, Moncton, New Brunswick, and ending up in Waterloo, Ontario. Um, so obviously dramatically different ecosystems we're going to be tapping into, um, but a lot of excitement, I think, going into to some of those cities. Uh, we don't usually see massive entrepreneurship conferences in some of these regions, so it'll be great to bring new folks um, under the umbrella um, and yeah, hear the incredible founder stories from, from those local regions and from across the provinces that they represent. So I'm very, very pumped about that. Um, we're going to... Again, it's funny if I can interrupt for a sec. Um, you know, in, in Waterloo, you think, well, they don't need us. But um, but it, it's it's a matter of, of of sparking greater value from, from, from the startup ethic and the whole KW uh, tech sector. We went to Kitchener, Kitchener Waterloo, uh, to Communitech, uh, in, uh, in, and, and, and the University of Waterloo 
whether it was 2012 or 2014, I don't remember. But, you know, the, actually sitting down with those people, you know, two organizations with a lot of expertise and, and, and spending quality time together and meeting each other and understanding each other better. I, I, I think it was hugely influential in the success of Startup Canada. Um, and, and in, you know, reminding uh, entrepreneurs in KW of all the resources available to them because there's too many for them to count. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm delighted that, that, that you're going back, uh, to build on, because we have to, we have, we not only have to build in new places, but we have to build on what's doing well. Exactly. And what I'm excited about is exactly that learning with incredible partners like Communitech, like the University of Waterloo, understanding what has been that kind of secret sauce that we always point to Waterloo as being this great illustration and great example. How do we go a little bit deeper than that? And then across the rest of the country and globally, like we need to tell a better Canadian story around what is really incredible coming from every part of the country. Um, I think Waterloo has done a really beautiful job of getting that international credibility and being um, that space. But how do we do that as an entire nation? And we see, you know, Calgary is doing unbelievable work. We saw so much, um, you know, movement in Calgary. Ottawa even has Canada's largest tech park. Nobody knows about it. We need to be, you know, singing these things from a much louder microphone. Um, and I think Waterloo is the place to do that as well when we talk about export-ready businesses, folks that are going global across every industry. Um, where I think I'm excited the most as well is seeing the diversity of Waterloo. We think of it just being, you know, a particular type of tech innovation, something that spurred post-Blackberry, post, you know, XYZ. Um, but I think there are businesses that often don't get heard from in the Waterloo kind mm -hmm. of W area. And that excites me as well to sort of break down that brand perception and showcase even more entrepreneurial spirit. Absolutely. That, that sounds fabulous. And if anyone is listening to this, uh, to what you just said and thinks, Oh, I want to know more about this. What's the best place they could go to? Is there a particular page or a particular program or an, an introduction that on online that uh, you'd recommend people go to? Yeah startupcan.ca. It's got everything. Um, all of our flagship programs, digitally, Startup Women, Startup Global, our advocacy work is all completely free. Startup Canada Tour, if cost is a barrier to entry, you can also always access um, a Startup Canada Tour ticket for free, but fees are super nominal, 30, 40 bucks for founders. We try to keep it very, very low cost. Um, and reaching out to anybody on our team. We've got staff now in Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Waterloo, Toronto, New Brunswick, Toronto, or Ottawa, where else? Halifax. Um, I think we're missing North, Saskatchewan, uh, and where else? Newfoundland, <laughs> potentially, but we're slowly working our way across the country. So um, even if you want to you know, meet uh, with somebody on, on our staff, we've got an incredible group of, of folks who'd ha be happy to connect with you. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, that's the, it's, it's wonderful. Startup Canada has been growing and the fact that you're diversifying and representing all these regions and not just being another Ottawa based organization that thinks it knows what's best for everyone. Um, you know, that, that's really, really good. <laughs> that's been probably my biggest observation the last couple of years, Rick. Like I don't know more than anyone. Of course, I don't know what entrepreneurs need in every single moment, but I do know that we need to get them what they need faster. Like that, that sort of mission has become super clear. Um, and these conversations that we have on the podcast, they're not only showcasing the incredible entrepreneurs that we you know, have access to and that we're amplifying, uh, but that feeds into 
every single program, every problem we try to solve. Um, all of these stories get weaved into the practical support we're trying to offer. So this is not just storytelling. It's also really trying to uh, make our programs as impactful to these types of founders as, as we can. Fabulous. All right. Well, listen, let me wish you again a happy new year and uh, hope, hopefully we'll get together soon and uh, look forward to a great new year for all Canadian entrepreneurs. Great. Entrepreneurs, take some time, take some rest, <laughs> enjoy the fruits of your labor from 2023. And we can't wait to see you back in 2024. All right. Thanks so much, Kayla.